0: Man, second episode of It's Utah's World. well, Tom Hackett, Steve Bartle. So, um, Steve, welcome. What's up, Tom? Not much, man. What How is are that? you? You're
1: still alive,
0: still kicking? Still hanging in there, heart still pumping. And um, you know, I, I don't have much to complain about, so I'm doing pretty well. How are you?
1: I'm doing good, man. Good. I am doing good.
0: I thought about this on the way in. Um, like like when you introduce yourself, I imagine most of the people listening to this particular this podcast probably have an idea of who both of us are, um, like Twitter handles. Like, is that the most useless thing to give people via a podcast?
1: I think so. Okay, I think the more identifiable thing is your Twitter picture. Uh, I've gotten many complaints when I changed my Twitter picture from the rubber, the giant rubber ducky, right. to anything else. It's like, whoa, who, who the heck is this guy?
0: Um. Do you have like a, a nickname for your
1: following, your Ute Zone following? No, no. Cause... I, you know, there are some on our staff, Brian Brown, uh, that that do you know like to to pump a, a nickname for our followers. But no, I, I don't believe in naming our followers. It we, it like we appreciate appro- them, though.
0: Is it appropriate nickname or is it, it is
1: it, you know? He he likes to call them, you know, anything that ends with an ites basically. So Bartleites, like Mitch, Mitch okay, Harper. that's why I brought it up. Yes, Mitch that's Harper and his Mitchites. Yeah, that's,
0: that's, yeah. Mitch is proud of his Mitchites, He too. is. If you ask him, like, how are the Mitchites, he'll tell you all about them, what they did he'll over the weekend. give you, like, individual updates on yes, the Mitchites. Yes. It's
1: weird, his relationship with them.
0: So that's, I guess, why I bring it up. Um... So here's the here's the deal. Um, I apologise. I I have been living under a rock, quite literally living under a rock. I'm in the process, Steve, of of moving homes.
1: Fortunately, it's literally not. changing rocks.
0: Yes, yes, quite <laughs> quite literally. Uh, fortunately, it's just a, a five odd minute move. But uh, we've been doing a lot of the construction ourselves. My father-in-law's are. A contractor, regardless. Um, and then, of course, my wife's been induced with our first child tomorrow night, which would be Congrats Wednesday. Congrats tomorrow. Thank you. That's Wednesday night, uh, because on a podcast, I guess you can't say tomorrow. But uh, Wednesday night this week. So I have been just swamped. Like yesterday, for example, which would have been the Monday, President's Day. Um, it was like uh, 1 o'clock. I've been doing like the whole 1 a.m., 2 a.m. kind of sleep mm-hmm, thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, no bueno.
1: Yeah, it's rough
0: and 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 the and the, I guess the best part with with all of this is when when people try and give you advice about children they they tell you like oh well enjoy the no sleep and I'm like well I've kind of I feel like I've kind of not been getting any sleep already <laughs> so I'm um, I'm in some deep deep trouble but uh, regardless what's what's been going on with you
1: you know uh not much there tom not much i do not have anything really you know th- we went to Disneyland a couple weekends ago, and that was great. I loved it. I enjoyed it. And ever since then, I, you know, I've been sitting on my hiney, waiting to do this podcast again. That's that's basically it. How you know? I can't complain. There you know? was
0: there was some news that broke yesterday.
1: Yes, some big news. Some big Utah football. Some news. big big news. Be my guest. So. The wonderful Mark Harlan and Utah Athletics announced that Utah and LSU have agreed to a home and home series with the LSU Tigers uh, for the 2031 and 2032 seasons, uh, which is 11 years away but still that's that's a tremendous addition to the future schedule. Uh, they'll play September 6th the fact that they have dates, finalized 11 years from now is uh shout out to to kyle brennan and the guys that put this together power of the internet i think steve i think so i i didn't even know we could go that far ahead on the calendar that's impressive computers these days man i tell you uh so september 6th 2031 they'll play in salt lake city uh and then they will return to baton rouge uh september 11th 2032 so Pretty big deal to add the LSU Tigers. That's now the third SEC program on the future schedule. They join Arkansas and Florida. Uh, Utah will play Florida of the three first uh, in 2021. So pretty exciting stuff. Mark Harland. Trend. Yeah, it's great. And, and and Mark, who we love,
0: seems to be enjoying this whole SEC. I mean, if there is an SEC bias out there, here's, his, I think, part of the reason behind a lot of this stuff is uh, – you saw what Oregon did, Oregon and Auburn this mm-hmm, year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Oregon should have beat the the Auburn uh, Tigers. Tigers,
1: mm-hmm. War Eagle. So War Eagle. Tigers. I, that always know, confuses me. Yeah, mm, it's understandable.
0: Anyway, but yeah. um, but regardless, they they didn't quite win, and they were still by the end of the year. They that was, I think, their only loss until they lost to Arizona State. Yes, and then they dropped. But prior to that, you know, their non conference loss. I think the committee gives them. I guess props, right, for, for saying you took it to, to Auburn and, and quite frankly should have won. First game of the year, probably will let you let you slide. So if you're going to do it... Here, here's another thing that's probably worth talking about when it comes to... I'm sure there are many fans out there that get quite frustrated when BYU's on the schedule. Uh, and I, I don't think many fans out there understand why... We don't play a Michigan and a BYU in the same non-conference. Um, and it's pretty self-explanatory. Um, the head man himself, Coach Winningham, refuses to do it. He's, yeah. he. I don't know if he's... Has he been public in saying that? I don't, I don't know no, if he's but been it's, public.
1: Yeah, it's been alluded to. And I think the reason, and you can, you can speak more to this because you've been through it, but it's the emotional impact of right. playing that game, uh, right? It, there's... When you're going through practice, and as a media member, you can kind of sense it when guys are just kind of tired of answering questions, right? And with the BYU game, it's a lot of the same questions being asked every single day. You just kind of get tired of it. It drains uh, drains you out, yeah. I, I think. And I think that's easy to, to feel and get a sense for as a media member.
0: He, he respects the living daylights out of uh, the BYU Cougars. He understands how much that game means. For both parties involved, and, and as you mentioned, Steve, the emotional side of things for that game is is on another level. It's it's more so than than most. So, uh, although I will say, uh,
1: in ele- is is the LSU game eleven years from now? Is that what- eleven years? So you're going to have an eleven year old by the time this this game runs. You don't have a kid right now, and you're going to have an eleven year old by the time they play this game. How crazy is that?
0: That's frightening. But. Um, I don't think Coach Whittingham will be the head coach in 11 years' time.
1: Oh, I don't either. I, yeah. You know, I don't, you know, will he even make it to the Florida series? You know, we'll see. I think he will make it through the Florida series, but. six. So, so he, I think he's six, 60
0: right now. Mm-hmm. I'm giving him max 65, so five more years. Okay. Maximum. Okay. But, but because here's why. I think once he gets, once slash if he gets the Pac-12 championship, I think he calls
1: it a day. I do too, I think that's, that's kind of like the him. last. Mm-hmm.
0: And if you think about it, Steve, he hasn't won too many conference championships. Even in the Mountain West, he—I think he's only got two
1: to his name. Yeah, I think you're right. I think, in fact, let me look that up while we're talking about it. But I think, I think you're absolutely spot on with that. Is I think that would be. I think 04 and 08 are the only two. I think you're right.
0: Conference titles he's won, which is. Quite remarkable, and and I remember on I, I guess I haven't forgotten about this for a while. I probably won't, but there was a list that ESPN came out with top 150 college football coaches of all time, and I remember thinking like, man, like just based on Coach Winningham's winning record, winning percentage, he's got he's got to be in there, but he wasn't. He he wasn't one of the top 150 college football coaches according to ESPN. Uh, and you start kind of digging and uh, and looking at some of the other resumes from other coaches. Like Gary Patterson, for example, was on there from TCU. And you're like, well, if he's on there, then surely Coach Winningham, Gary has, has quite a few more conference titles.
1: So he only has one conference title. That's it? 2008. He wasn't the coach in 2004. He oh, was the I defensive That's coordinator. That's right. So, one in 2008, he has three Pac-12 South Division titles. One is a tie, uh, in 2015, but he's got, now. but, uh, but yeah, three division titles in the Pac-12, one national championship now in 2008. Uh, there is no ask, asterisk, uh, behind that national championship, but was that he's got- Seattle? That, that was, uh, so that was, what was it, this last year or the year before? This last year, I think they announced that it was, a national championship. They're taking the UCF approach to that 2008. But I, uh, season. I
0: thought that, like, a uh, Seattle newspaper, like, originally were the ones that. I can't remember. I,
1: cu- I couldn't tell you who yeah. it was that voted, but I, somebody voted Utah the national champion. And now, 11 years l- later, they add it to the profile, to the Wikipedia page of Kyle Whittingham. So, uh, but still, I, I think. I think that conference championship is what is driving him, and is what keeping is what's keeping him in that seat. Do you think if they would have won it this year, he would have hung it up, or do you think he go? You think he comes back for more? I think he. I think he hangs it up. I think so too. You do? I do too. Because I, I mean, so Morgan Scally has kind of taken on a little bit more of uh, a a bigger role mm-hmm. with things, and and these are little things like. The signing day ceremony that they had with or the luncheon with the Crimson Club members. It was Morgan Scali kind of talking, talking the talk, leading the way through that that uh, luncheon. And, you know, he's kind of taken on more public speaking type type things. And I, I think it's pretty clear where Kyle Whittingham and Utah wants to transition to right. in the future.
0: There, shortly following the season, there was, of course, press release that that came out uh telling us media folk that that and i guess informing uh, the public as well that um they've signed morgan's galley to a long-term future agreement uh extending him to what was i believe already a, a pretty uh pretty hefty old salary mm-hmm. um he's one of the highest paid assistant coaches in the pack 12 i know that much he's He's just shy of I think six figures, um, somewhere around the eight hundred. Regardless, we don't have to talk about people's salaries, although they are public. He, he makes good coin. Uh, he was getting a lot of a lot of offers. He was getting a lot of his phone was ringing, and I, I know this because I spoke to uh, to Mark Carlin on the sideline of uh, the Texas Utah game prior to kickoff. The guys were warming up, and I um, I spoke to Mark, and I and I kind of said, you know, like what's the deal, man, like. You know, you and he and he, he he's he, here's what I love about Mark Harlan is he don't shy away from spitting the truth, telling mm-hmm. people the truth, and and uh, if if Morgan Scally's phone is ringing and you ask him about it and he trusts you, mm-hmm. then he'll tell you. Yeah, but, you know, and that's that's what I appreciate when it comes when it comes to Mark, and 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 so I know he was getting a lot of lot of lot of interest. Now I yes. don't know where that interest was coming from and uh and we probably don't need to talk about that on the podcast, even if I did or even if you did, but regardless his the interest was there he's um he's a very talented coach uh and I'm fascinated to see if and when he does take over how the program where the program goes from there
1: i agree, and i you know i think. We've seen more of these types of moves. I think that's kind of the debate: do you hire, do you promote from within, or do you hire outside, bring some fresh blood in? And I think what we've seen over the last, you know, few seasons, few years, is programs are starting to promote from within. And I, I think Morgan Scally is has to be the clear cut favorite to take over the head coaching job. Uh, he's young. He's he loves Utah wants his family to grow up here. I think that's the the driving factor for him. But he loves the Utah program, and he's got that energy that just draws excitement from people around him, right? I think that's what's allowed him to be such an effective recruiter, and I think when you promote that into a head coaching role... That's going to be a big boost to Utah's recruiting efforts because then you're able to to bring in another maybe energetic recruiting assistant coach, you know, at a position uh, that that will need to be filled, and and now you've got a, an entire staff of recruiters, and I think that's what is most exciting. Kyle Whittingham does a great job with with recruiting; he's improved tremendously over the last few seasons,
0: which is so crazy, by the way.
1: <laughs> How so?
0: Um... Because he, he's so... his person He he has a hard time letting his personality really be shown. Right. Especially when it comes to people that he doesn't know or trust, right? Yes. And he doesn't know or trust these recruits. Yeah. Because that is a slippery, snaky kind of world, that recruiting oh, crowd. Yeah. yeah, you yeah. Know, there are some slippery little Slytherin snakes out there. <laughs> That'll go behind your back and talk and like, it's a, so like, how has he become such a good, I don't know. I don't know.
1: Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting. Utah was able to bring in a, a lot of local recruits, uh, for the 2021 class recently. I, it was, uh, it was in February before the dead with, we're not in... We are in a dead period. So the last weekend, they were able to bring in visitors. They brought in a bunch of unofficial visitors from within the state. 2021 prospects. So Logan Fano, uh, Raider Mooney, these are guys that you're going to hear about um, over the next year or so. They brought in a group of... I think it was seven kids. And I talked to almost all of them. And they all raved about the experience that they had with the coaches and Kyle Whittingham in particular. And just... They talked about one shared with me that what they were able to do and they were just able to have fun. They were playing a lot of games and that kind of stuff. And just seeing that side of Kyle Whittingham, uh, it, it kind of took me a back and, and, and to your point, he is starting to open up on the recruiting trail and with these recruits. And I think it's had a big impact, uh, for Utah on what they're able to do. And I think. When you when you look towards the future with Morgan Scally and just how effective he's going to be in that role because he's able to, it's much easier for him to relate to kids these days than I think Kyle Whittingham. I think you know Wit is a throwback of sorts. He's he's you know he is who he is, and and it, there's nothing wrong with it at all. You know he's he's driven to be successful, and and he's. Found a lot of success. I think there's just a lot to be excited about and optimistic about with Morgan Scally potentially taking over as head coach. When you're talking about his impact on the recruiting trail,
0: so Witt has a legacy at this point in his career. Witt's got a legacy now. He might not have the conference titles. Uh, he has a national title, um, but he might he might he might only have one conference championship, which is uh, far fewer than than one would imagine. Um, but he wins a lot of football games. He's talked about nationally year in and year mm-hmm. out and and he's and he's kind of put Utah, I guess, back on the map from from their BCS BCS Buster type days. So mm-hmm. um so I think and I, I've also been around I remember when, when Benny Lennon came here from Australia, he he was having a dinner up at uh, up at the stadium. They kinda of take him to, to that top floor and yeah. showcase him around and 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 I was called and and asked to just hey, just swing
1: by and and spend five minutes just introduce yourself to to Ben was there a previous relationship between you and Ben like did he know you at all? We knew each other okay. uh,
0: we'd spoken on the phone, but we'd never met that's per- cool uh, in person, so he's like he's like, "I don't know what you're doing. just swing by and and spend five minutes and introduce yourself and say hi, and you guys can go on your merry way or you can go on your merry way whatever but so I remember, and I remember just like watching Coach Winningham kind of interact with recruits, and it was fascinating because he is different. Um, he is a little bit different with recruits than he is oh, with, sure. with the team. And then it also depends on what's <laughs> happening. Like, like I guess when things aren't working well or going according to plan, no matter the time of year, like. Like I've been told that winter workouts right now are incredibly difficult, oh yeah, a- and there are quite a few people uh, that are struggling physically, and they're actually not even f- they're not even finishing the workout because <laughs> oh, they're in the heads in the bottom of a- of a trash can, yeah, um,
1: a lot of cardio,
0: A lot of cardio, and and he gets really angry, like, and he doesn't care if you're vomiting, he he really doesn't care. So like, apparently this winter he's been like getting after some people. Uh, on the on the team currently, if they're throwing up in a trash can, he's like, "Get out of the trash can and let's go," which <laughs> oh, is cool, which is why But then, like, like when we met with him, when the specialist met with him in the in the meeting room, he was super cool, super sure. laid back. Boy, it, it felt like we could get away with murder. Yeah. In fact, like some of the time, we'd prank him, and like it would be <laughs> fine. Like we once told him that this was prior to the. 2015 BYU game, him and uh, Bronco just, I don't know, didn't really mash, right? Sure. I think that was pretty think, well known. Yeah, yeah. He, he never, like, I guess, kind of um, talked poorly about Bronco to us, but I, I think it was pretty obvious that he just wasn't the biggest fan of Bronco. <laughs> he avoided any positive praise. <laughs> so we came in one time. We we came in the meeting once and said, oh, coach, did you see the, the newspaper report that's out online? And, of course, he doesn't, like, Really check his social media a ton, and and so he he doesn't really he's not filled in. He he doesn't even watch the news. Like he's got no idea. He's, he's, he's watching centric. film. Yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 yeah. He's a big meathead. But um, we told him that according to this this recent article that that was posted by one of the local stations, uh, he had to have he had to have lunch with Bronco on the Wednesday. Oh at oh. Caesar's palace. Oh. And the media was going to be there to to ask questions and take photos. And his face <laughs> when we told him that. <laughs> oh, never forget. I'll never forget. It was the ah. best. And of course we told him we were joking and anyway, this is kind of a long-winded way of saying that depending on the situation,
1: he can he can obviously walk. He work. can just. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, so getting back to the recruiting, I think tying this in with the LSU game and, and also, you know, the Florida game, the Arkansas game, Baylor, you know, is still on the schedule down the road. When you look at the, the talent within those programs, right? Like I'm looking at the LSU roster right now, Stacked. um, according to our, our 24-7, you know, rankings and ratings, there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven five-star players on that roster and just a load of four-star talent. Um, and there's a a big talent discrepancy between the SEC conference, I'll say the Big Ten, and then everybody else. I think with the type of athletes that the SEC programs are able to recruit, they have a, a distinct advantage in terms of bringing talent into the program, and I think With Morgan Scally, we've seen it over the last couple years at Utah. They've kind of found their groove found their niche on the recruiting trail and they've been able to add a lot of talent into the program this this we've talked a lot about the 2020 class. They're bringing in five four star players, uh, which is a tremendous achievement three of which were in our top 247 our top 247 uh, rated players, which is the first time they've ever done that. And so Utah has to continue to improve on the recruiting trail, bring in more talent, uh, to, to compete, to genuinely compete with these teams. Utah's going to be able to hang in there with them and, and potentially beat them. I think there's plenty of confidence for Utah fans. They should have confidence heading into these games, but I think in order to, to reach that next level, we got to see Utah. Take that next step on the recruiting trail, and I think they're on their way uh, to doing that as well.
0: It's exciting. So, uh, all right, we've got to take our, our one and only timeout. Welcome back in. It's Utah's world. Tom Haggard, Steve Bartle. Thanks for bearing with us. We got a fun little second half of the show coming up. I think, um, obviously, spring ball right around the corner. Uh, Eric Weddle just announced his retirement from professional football, so uh, so we'll talk about his future, what it may hold, uh, and and play more like the upcoming twenty twenty Utah football schedule. We, we're gonna, I think, we're gonna go over this quite a few times. And uh, it's probably going to change here and there, and um, but it's always fun. I mean, come on, it's always fun. We have no idea what we're talking about when it comes to the schedule, nobody does. Because here's here's what's so funny about, like, oh, predicting the 2020 rankings, you know? It's like, um, I think Utah's going to go 9 and whatever it is, three or whatever. Nine and three. Nine and three, whatever adds up to 12. <laughs> but it's like, okay, but against Arizona State, what if they, what if their entire offensive firepower is out injured? Nobody has any idea. The chances of injury, by the way, in American football, maybe I offended people by saying American football, in football is higher than most. <laughs> Seriously, you get injured in this game. <laughs> so let's, st- I just, I try it. And I get why people do it, because people, you know, especially media members, I, I understand why people do it. And and it'll continue, right? But, but like, come on, dude. Like, since when is anybody right? It's just a guessing game, which I guess is part of the fun, so... Anyway, I'll get off my high horse, and we'll do that as well. Um,
1: <laughs> Thank you, Tom. Yeah, sorry. I, Thank don't know, you. I
0: don't know why that happened. Uh, during the break, we had this fun conversation um, about recruiting. A- and so... It'll, and we talked in the first, first segment about Coach Whittingham and how we can kind of put on these different personas depending on where he is uh, and, and the scenario and situation. And so I'm, I'm, I'm asking you, Steve, I'm like, people always talk about Salt Lake City and, and they wonder how you can recruit here, which kind of blows my mind, if I'm being honest, because if you've ever been to Salt Lake City, like if, you've, if you speak to somebody that just barely got off the plane first time, Salt Lake. And they came during the during the day. So they can see outside the plane. Blown away. Like like if you go to Salt Lake City International Airport, generally speaking, you can tell who are the first time visitors coming off the plane based on their facial expressions, right? They're just like, whoa. Like those mountains are big mountains, man. <laughs> like we ain't talking any hills anymore. These are mountains. Mountains. Yes. And then there's this city and it's kinda like trapped within these mountains. And this is cool, and the snow apparently is world class. (laughs) Like we're talking powder, so it's like people are just like fascinated by this place, and I get it because I was the same way. Sure. So I don't really understand that that thought process. You know, if I guess if you're not religious, then maybe like the church might have a play you know Mm -hmm. i don't don't know Mm -hmm. i don't don't know it didn't affect me Mm -hmm. i'm not religious have nothing against religion Mm -hmm. love everybody because this place this world needs more happiness yeah and i'm not here to tell you how you should think Mm -hmm. and i hope people don't do the same to me but like eugene oregon right this is where i'm going because like the ducks since Cristobal's taken over or really i guess for a few years now since mariota right They've been really, really, really good on the recruiting trail, and the whole Nike thing. People in there, people that are listening right now, are probably screaming while driving. Like, well, Tom, the Nike thing's obviously a big part, and I get that. That plays a role, but it can't be the reason. It just can't be the reason. These, these, these kids that are like legit. Was it this year or last year? They got the number one recruit in the entire nation.
1: So. So, last year. So, not this current class, 2020 class, but the, the 2019 class, Kayvon Thibodeau.
0: That's right. And he yeah. tore Utah up on, in the championship. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. We don't need to go. And then this year, of course, they got the number one recruit out of California, a
1: linebacker. And right? Utah in Noah Sewell. There you go. Yeah.
0: And so... Um they're really, really good. Mm-hmm. But they they live in Eugene, Oregon. And and I don't know if many people that are listening to this have been in Eugene, Oregon, but but I tried to explain it as though it's like Heba, Utah, uh, with a river running through it. Like there's not much to it. And yeah. I love Heba, don't get me wrong. Sure. But it's not Salt Lake City. Like right. it's the, the nightlife it's can't not be that. Seattle. Great. No. It's not Los
1: Angeles. It's not Palo Alto. No.
0: And you were talking about how their coaching staff, they're just so upbeat.
1: You know, I think when you when you dive into recruiting, I think there are every every program has its personality. Right. Like Utah identifies with a certain personality type, a certain type of recruit. And with Oregon, what they've done is they've just built themselves up on hype. Like this is what we were talking about during the break. Oregon embodies hype at its purest form and they they bring energy uh when kids are on recruits or on their visits um and they are non-stop just energy hype and they get these kids on an emotional high and, and you know obviously there's a lot to sell with Oregon there's a lot going on with the program you know obviously it's not just that they're getting these kids on on hype because they can point to you know trophies. They can point to the Rose Bowl trophies. They can point to the Pac-12 trophies. They have that in their favor. Uh, and because they've been able to bring in that high-level uh, talent. And I think what we've seen with Utah, uh, particularly with the way the season ended, is, yeah, talent matters, right? I think if you talk to anybody, I think when you're looking at Mario Cristobal and Kyle Whittingham. I don't think many are going to say that Mario Cristobal is a better football coach than Kyle Whittingham. In terms of how he goes about his game plan, how he manages the clock, how he handles his timeouts, I think everybody's going to point to Kyle Whittingham being the better head coach of the two. But Oregon just had a different level of talent at key positions, right? Like, we're talking about Sewell at left tackle, was able Monster. to— Monster. yeah. Was able to negate Bradley and I, Utah's all time leading sack, uh, leader, uh, and was able to just have his way with him. And I think when you, when you look at that, talent's gonna win you a lot of games. Um, and I think the nice thing is, is Utah has found their niche. Utah has found the personality type that'll work for them, the type of kids that they need to recruit. And, you know, it's, it's working. They've identified the right kids. Like, Bryce, uh, or not Bryce, that's his younger brother. Clark Phillips. Uh. You already on, on, on Clark's younger brother? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bryce. Is he good? He, he's, he's not Clark. I'll say that much, but he's a talent. I think he's. There are some questions about his athletic ability, right? I think that's the big concern with, with younger Phillips. But I think with a good senior season, we could see him... So he's
0: going into his senior year? Yeah. Oh. So
1: he's a junior going into his senior year. Bryce they're fans. only
0: a year apart?
1: Yeah. Boy, mom and dad weren't mucking around, yeah, weren't they? they? no, they weren't. No, no, no. So, you know, Clark Phillips, Utah, it takes the right personality type. Right. Like Shaw was able to connect to Clark on a different level that was able to allow them to flip him from Ohio State. Utah wasn't just going to be able to flip any cornerback um, from Ohio State or or a big time program like that. It takes the right type of personality and the right type of of connection uh, with the coaching staff and with the program uh, to the recruit. And I think that's where Utah has made up a lot of ground in knowing who they are, knowing the type of recruit that works well in their program, that responds well to the message that they give, and when you add in the fact that Shaw is starting to get his legs under that, you know he's got his legs under him, he's starting to hit his stride now as a recruiter, Morgan Scali has hit his stride as a recruiter, and now you add Swan, Kyle McDonald, these other guys that are starting to hit their strides as recruiters, that's going to allow Utah to continue to move forward and adding a lot of talent to this program.
0: Can can I just can I just tell you that if if you've ever been fortunate enough to spend just a handful of minutes with Sharif Shaw, um, you you will know that that personality is so infectious. Oh, man. Like man, he could seriously sell ice to an Eskimo if he mm-hmm. wanted to. Like he is, he he is he is really really charismatic. And 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 fun and happy and and kind of loud, but but like in a good way, you know. Like nothing, <laughs> yes! yes, yes, like just like suit. He's like the ultimate, ultimate hype man. I mean, such a great dude. Um, I was fortunate last summer; I got to spend a whole round of of eighteen holes playing golf with him. Oh wow! And it was seriously some of the best time I I can <laughs> remember from summer of last year. It was like wow. I mean the stories that we both shared with one another, more so him than like we talk. Oh gosh, you like you like this. We, I remember we spoke. Um, we spoke about the BYU. I brought this is the second time this podcast. I brought this up, but the the 2015 it's the KSL studios, man. I know they what just have it? a way. That's something in the water, but but the 2015 Utah BYU bowl game. Uh-huh. I remember talking to him. So to kind of refresh quickly. Some of our listeners' memories, like Utah, had no business going to the Vegas no. Bowl. I think we finished; we were we were tied for the division champs with USC, mm-hmm. um, and and so we should have been going to, like the Holiday Bowl. Um, and I think Oregon or somebody went to the Alamo Bowl, but we were certainly meant to go to like the Holiday because when you look at the list of bowl games in the Pac-12, like the Vegas Bowl's like second to last. Yeah. It's, it's down like, there. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, like yeah. Yeah, it's like okay. Yeah. Um, but because of course BYU was in it, they were like, "Oh, let's sell, let's make money, because that's what this whole thing's about." And if we put Utah, then we know the entire state of Utah is going to come down, and lo and behold, it did. So they, they accomplished what I'm sure they were after. But I remember telling Sharif, I'd be like, Coach, like just be, you know, come on. like, were you pissed when you heard we were going to the Vegas Bowl? Because the playing group was not happy. <laughs> The playing group (laughs) in the locker room was upset. Yeah. We were like, this is crap. Right. You know, like, are you serious? (laughs) Like, we just went. And the other thing was, we just went to the Vegas Bowl the year prior. The year before to play Colorado State. Like, Yeah. yeah. So, anywho, uh, he was so funny when I asked him that question. He was like, oh, man. He's like, I was pissed. (laughs) I was so pissed. Pissed. Pissed Yes. Pissed. He was so and he just kept going on and on about why he was piercing the coaching staff. And of course at the time I didn't realise the coaches were pissed because they, they they'll never admit it right to the playing group, yeah, right? Yeah. They'll never say they'll never say this is crap, we shouldn't be here, you know, type things <laughs> like, All right, here we go. Strap your boots on, let's go. Yeah. You know, put your pads on. We're going to Vegas, baby. Let's go And they seem happy. And the playing group's like, Oh boy, here we go. Here just we like, go. Yeah. Just slow and methodical. <laughs> Putting on this chin strap like yeah. oh, okay. Anywho, that I just thought it was so I, I get why Sharif Shaw can recruit to the level. Oh yeah. They can. I just get it. He has two of the of Utah's highest three recruits ever.
1: Yeah. Clark Phillips is the highest rated recruit. Jalen Johnson, uh, is the third highest rated recruit. Uh, and so he's really, you know, he's hit his stride uh, as as a recruiter. When Utah needs to go out and get an instant impact guy, Sharif Shaw is the guy to to trust to do that. And, yeah. and I think we've seen that with with those two guys yeah. in particular.
0: Totally makes sense. If you're wondering who the second guy is, Josie No. Remarkably.
1: yeah, yeah, pretty Didn't crazy. Quite turn out to be <laughs> Not all quite. that we thought, but. Yeah.
0: But that's all right. Um, that's all right. So, uh, anywho. Uh, so, um, Eric Weddle.
1: Yeah. He's what did retired. you make of that? Were you surprised? No. Right.
0: In fact, I was kind of happy for him, kind of relieved, if yes. you will. Like, okay, thank you. I'm just... I, I always, when it comes to athletes, Stephen, I don't know how you feel about this, but I always hope that, um, that they go out, not necessarily on top, but they go out respected.
1: On their terms.
0: Yes. Because... Okay. Because what I fear, and, and this, this happens a lot more than I think people realize, but they get greedy and I guess first of all, to get to a point to play professional sport, really whether it's Major League Soccer, NFL, NBA, doesn't matter, NHL, MLB, it takes like a certain personality type, in my opinion. I think you have to be so prideful, mm-hmm. you have to be confident. In your ability, certainly, without being arrogant, although at times they can mesh, um, but the dignity, right? You just you you almost don't have any because it's like you 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 think you're so good, and so that can come back to bite these athletes as their career unfolds, and mm-hmm. they don't want to accept the fact that their career is ending because that I'm sure is a hard thing when when you've been doing something your entire life, and then all of a sudden the thought or the or people are starting to mention, like, hey, when's when's the time to, to give this thing up? Right. You're like, well, I've never really not done this, so I'm not going to do it, right? I just fear that athletes will go too long, their bodies can't handle it, and then all of a sudden the, the media, whether it's local or national, the fan base, they start remembering that particular athlete as... Somebody that should have retired two years before they did, mm-hmm. and I don't think Eric Weddle's going to struggle with that. Yeah. I, I think he was very good for the LA Rams last year. He could have probably played another year or two oh, and, yeah. and been really, really good. But he, but he's he's going out on his own terms, as you mentioned, and I'm really I'm I'm, I'm happy for him. Yeah, he I, didn't get the Super Bowl though, Steve.
1: And that's that's always going to be a pain for these NFL guys. But I I think that you're you're spot on, and and the fact that Weddle is able to go out on his terms and leave you know, when he decided to, he was, he was a six time pro bowler. He was 2016, 2017, 2018 pro bowlers, which speaks to how well he was playing late in his career. Yeah. um, And so he was still playing at a high, high level. And it, it yeah, to your point, it's just, it's good to see him go out on his terms Um, and now he's got the opportunity. He's going to have a lot of time on his hands because that dude worked as hard as anybody, um, staying in the best shape that he possibly could, uh, improving in, in areas of his game that he, he could, it was interesting. He was, we were, he was up at, at Utah's pro day last year. And I remember talking to him and he's all, you know, I may be getting older, but I'm more athletic now than I was when I came out of Utah and uh, like you see, you hear that and it's like, wait, how you, you ran a four, four, seven at the NFL combat. Like that was tremendous. Like you're not running a four, four, seven, but I think there's more to it than just running a 40. Right? right. And, and it just speaks to how hard he worked. You know, when we, w- when we walked into the, the facility, I remember at pro day, he was the only one in the gym at the time I got there like what, seven 15? You know he's in there. He's doing his dips. He's doing his his weighted dips, of course, and that just spoke to his commitment level to his craft and how dedicated he was to be the best that he could be. He's a tremendous person. Um, he spent so much time talking to the media, even after the cameras were shut off. Like he just hung, hung around, talked to us, and you know he's got that personality where you know if he were a coach. I'd I'd want to strap up the helmet uh for him and, and go out and play for him. Like that's the type of person that he is. Uh so it's good that he's going out on his terms and you know, it'll be fun to see what the future holds for him.
0: Yeah, no, I I I, I agree. I think I think it's fun. So, um totally hypothetical, right? This is no insight, um nothing. It's I'm just kind of making this up on the spot. But but wouldn't it be cool to see Morgan Scally is the head coach, right? What are you doing here, Tom? You know where I'm going. What are you doing here, Tom? I I think Sharif Shaw would be your defensive coordinator. Don't do it, Tom. I I think he'd be the defensive coordinator. But wouldn't it be cool if we had E-Dub as safety's coach? Oh! I mean, we're talking, like, recruiting, Steve. Oh, Sets the foundation for programs. And Coach Whittingham and Coach Scally and that whole gang, they all know it. Mark Harlan knows it. So, I mean, like, Eric Weddle. Eric Weddle. He he wouldn't even have to recruit. He'd just have to show up, and, and it's like, all right, where do I sign? You know, like, come on. Where's the dotted line? Let's go. I'll come. You're going to co- – oh, Eric Weddle's going to coach me. Yeah, yeah, let's go. Come on.
1: Oh, the the safety in the NFL? Multiple yeah. Pro Bowl, like all-pro type guy? Safety? I'll tell you. Man, just thinking about that, like, like, picture that. Morgan Scally, the head coach; Sharif Shaw, the defensive coordinator; safeties coach Eric Weddle. I mean, we could take it a step further and, and throw Alex Smith in the fold. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Let's not get greedy here, Tom. Well, I know
0: he's still, I guess, technically signed to the Redskins, but I mean, like his career is coming to the to the back end. Yeah, sure, sure. I, I would throw Steve Smith in the Steve Smith rather in the mix, but um, I was fortunate; I spoke to him on the sideline of the Utah BYU game. And, uh, he somewhat politely told me that he doesn't like people (laughs) and, uh,
1: get him on the staff.
0: I don't know if he'd be, I don't know if he'd be a great, I mean, people would recognize him Oh yeah, and they think he's really cool, but like, (laughs) he doesn't like, no, I don't know if he said he doesn't like people or he doesn't like talking to people, but regardless, it was one of the two and sure. And, uh, so anyway, we didn't talk after that, um, believe it or not, but, um, Uh, he considered you people. That's a shame. <laughs> I know, but that's all right. He um, he told me he had no interest in coaching. He's made his money. He just wants to go. He lives in Carolina, mm-hmm. North Carolina. Yep. He just wants to kind of do his thing with his family, which is fine. Yeah. But I think Alex
1: Smith. You think you think Alex Smith? <clears throat> I think Alex okay. Smith might be interested. Hmm. I th- <sighs> Eric Weddle would be dope. Yes. So bringing it back to you, Eric Weddle would be a tremendous hire. You look at that defensive staff, those three, Scali, Shaw, and Weddle. Like, if you're a defensive back, hello, sign me up. Like, I get to learn from a, tremendous coaches in Scali and, and and Shaw. You, you know, obviously, we don't know what Weddle is as a coach, but he's he's he knows the game in and out. He can speak to these kids. He's got a beard. Like, sign me up, dude. So there's a lot that goes into
0: coaching that I think people don't realize, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But, but I feel as though I could tell you who would be a good coach and who wouldn't be a good coach. Like, like if you're, first of all, you need to be knowledgeable, right? Because oh, yeah. you need it. You need to have good understanding of the game. Mm-hmm. So, would I be a good coach? No. Um, Eric Weddle has extensive amounts. Of he is knowledge. smart. Yes, very, very intelligent. Has been his entire career, whether he played at Utah or his professional. Wicked smart, yes. according to
1: the Boston's out yes. there. <laughs>
0: um. So we don't have to worry about that, and then you. But you also have to be personable, right? You have to be yeah. able to. You have to be able to talk to people. You have to be able to communicate, and you have to be able to understand whether you're on the recruiting trail or you're in the film room with your players, how every player kind of reacts to to certain to certain teaching methods. Like, do you, do, do my players learn uh, visually, or are they better through yeah. audio? I mean, it's it, it's extensive. Um, and I, I think he's smart enough to realize that. He's also very good. You mentioned earlier how well he communicates with the media. That's normally a pretty good indication of how well somebody can communicate. So, I mean, I don't, like Travis Wilson, for example, he was like, I remember, I was like, what are you going to do with your life, Trav, when we kind of both realized yeah. our time was done? And he's like, oh, I think I'm going to go into coaching. I was like, what? You're <laughs> going to go into coaching? What? Travis, the only reason you and I are friends is, is because I do all the talking.
1: Definitely,
0: you know, like Travis. You don't even talk to me. I do all the talking with us. How on earth are you uh, going to coach? Definitely and uh, definitely. So, um, <laughs> and so anyway, I'm glad I talked him off that ledge. But, but yeah, some people just aren't meant for it. If right? You, if you know, if you know how to communicate with somebody, you're very personable. They're two of the biggest factors I think that makes a good coach. Now there are there are other things that go mm-hmm. into it. You know, how hard is your work ethic and all that bull dust, but. Um.
1: <laughs> by the way, that drives me crazy.
0: What? How hard these
1: coaches work? Oh, they are insane. Uh, why? They you have to be you have to be yeah, insane. I, I disagree, you Steve. You have to be insane to uh, be a football
0: coach. Oh, oh, okay. I know. I agree with that. But I, I, I don't think they need to work that
1: long. Oh man, I don't know, man. Like, what are they doing? You get. I, there is so much that goes into film study, and 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 you understand that. You know that. Not There's, really. Oh, okay. I guess, I, I think, yeah, okay. I, I literally did not watch
0: more than 30 <laughs> minutes of film a week on the upcoming Punt Returner.
1: But you're around guys that have to watch film, right? And I think that's the thing is every week matters. When you only have 12 games in a year, 12 opportunities to go out and prove yourself as a team and as a coach and as players – Every minute the rest of the year matters. And I think that's where the the drive to watch as much film as possible, to be as prepared as possible uh, f- for those 60 minutes um, each and every week when the season is up, you know, I think that's that's why it's so important. And obviously some coaches take it a little bit too far maybe, but I think when you're at this level – and you're looking to be and you're looking to to win a conference championship and you're looking to challenge nationally. All these other coaches are are putting in that much, if not more, uh, you know, into film study, into recruiting, um, because every minute matters. Every hour matters.
0: I can't remember where I saw this. Um, that's not true. I saw it online. I think it was on Twitter. I can't remember who, what coach put this up, but it was a coach and it was a head coach and it was somebody from a pretty big school, but it was out on the East Coast. Um, I guess it's irrelevant. They, they, they put this photo up and it was of the entire coaching staff. Yeah. Um, nicely dressed, right? They had their kind of, of ties and, and suits on. And then every coach had um, their daughter with them, right? In front of them. Lincoln Riley.
1: Oh. Oklahoma.
0: There you go. Yeah. There you go. I knew it was somewhere over there. But um, so you've seen the same photo? Yeah. And uh, the caption was, was pretty simple, just hashtag girl dad. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing that photo and being like, wow, like that's, that's kind of cool for like quite a few reasons. Because these coaches, I just feel like there's this perception that coaches work tireless hours. And they do. Mm-hmm. Will Lincoln Riley or maybe some of these other younger coaches will they break the fold or the mold will they break the, the traditional mold of coaching and start putting more of an emphasis on their their home their their family will and will that will that be some will recruits be able to connect with that you know because I guess coaches are on social media to connect with recruits and so that recruits can follow their their lifestyle and, and all that good stuff. And I don't know, I just I had this thought like after seeing that photo, will the coaching world ever change? Because to me, the way it is right now it's it's so old school. <laughs> it's so old school. Sure. And half the time I feel like Right, I feel like especially when I was up at the u, they have these rules in place, right, so it's like we have six o'clock, we have six o'clock left or conditioning, and these are the days we have it, and if you are two seconds late, you'll be punished accordingly. Maybe punished isn't a good word but 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 you'll have to make it up in some way, shape or form and and I'm like, what why, yeah, you know if like if I'm late once, literally, I was late. Over four years, I was late two times. So if I'm late early in my career, then maybe okay. Then maybe there's a problem. But if I've like earned the respect that I'm not normally late, and then I become and then I'm late midway through my senior year, like why do I? Why am I? Why am I coming in on Saturday when that's what kind of the freshmen do? You know, these there were these rules that I'd never quite understood. And I felt as though the rules were in place because the current coaches—that's the way they were taught when they were. And I'm like, "Well, hold your horses a second. Times are changing, fellas. Mm-hmm. You know, like let's yeah. adapt with the times. Let's not work as hard. Let's work smarter and not harder. There's technology nowadays to, that allows us to do that, but they don't do it."
1: It's, that's an interesting point you bring up. And I think when it, when you talk about coaches, they are so habitual in in their Process right, and I think Whittingham even alluded to this at one point during the season. Is uh, is uh, he's so caught up in the process that he he doesn't allow losses, wins, or losses to to really sink in because he's so on to the next game. Once a uh, once a game is over, and I think uh, that's just how coaches are wired, and I don't think that aspect of their being of of who they are will ever change because you're always looking for a competitive advantage. And as a coach, where you're not competing on the field, that's where you compete is is in the film room and in your preparation. However, I do think that uh, as times change with technology, and Utah has adapted, they've added a lot of technology to their efforts, and um, you know, and and they're 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 on top of the game in in that regard, but. Um, I do think as time moves on, you are going to see coaches adjust to the times and and be more socially active or with their families and with friends and, and being more socially just because that's the way the world is going. However, I think it's on a slower pace compared to everybody else because as you mentioned earlier with Kyle Whittingham, he's not on social media. He's not on Twitter. He's just all about his process. But I do think eventually it's going to catch up. Maybe not catch up. Maybe that's not the right word, but I do think that you'll see change in that regard. And it's good for them. I think that, you know, these coaches, they do need that time because it is so about the process and it almost gets uh, just redundant uh, when you're talking about the process and, and going through it and being that habitual uh, with your. Preparation, I think it's good, and it was kind of refreshing. I, I had the same thought, a similar thought, when I saw that was just how cool it was to see a coach uh, and his entire staff take a moment, take a night out, and and, and tweet about it. I thought that that was so cool, yeah. Luke and Riley, to do that. I I I remember
0: earlier this year, early January, I I walked into the the facility. I needed to get some footballs signed by by wit and. Um, and so I went in there and walked past the defensive meeting room and of course he was he was in there and and he opens the door, he goes, Tom, Tommy No, he calls me Tommy. He goes, What what do you need, Tommy? I go, Well I need you actually. Uh <laughs> I need you to sign these boys. Go, All right, head into the, the break room and I'll be in there in a minute. So I walk in and I wait for him and he comes in finally and we start talking and uh and I remember the night before like I hadn't gotten that much sleep. Yeah and I was exhausted. Yeah. Um and I and I, I remember like contemplating in my head like should I tell him this or should I? And I remember I told him I go oh, coach, I am so tired. I I got like four hours of sleep last night. He goes Tommy, don't talk to me about it. I only got two. And I'm like, well, hold you? <laughs> and I'm like, why? I asked him. I said, well, why? Why did you only get two? He said, I just couldn't couldn't fall asleep. Just yeah. rolled around. I was thinking about football and uh, and and the recent loss to Texas and how we needed to maybe make some changes to the pro... You know, like, everything that oh, yeah. encompasses Utah football was probably going through his mind. And he got two hours of sleep. He had these big bags under his eyes. Um, he probably kept his poor wife up, Jamie, all night. Jeez. Ah, and uh, and, I, and I'm just like, Whoa. And so then, so I don't know how we got onto this, but I remember asking, like, do you, you know, like... Because now we, I work for Channel 5, and, and I'm like, well,
1: what news do you watch? You
0: yeah, know, like, come on. You, you're an LDS guy, although you... Say the f word every now and again, but
1: what? Oh yeah, okay, that's not surprising. Yeah, no, I've heard him drop it. Yeah, yeah, it's rare. It's rare. It, it. It actually had to do with the specialists. One of them, like, yeah, never mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: But I'm like, surely you watch Channel Five, right? Mm-hmm. owned by the church. This is. He's like, I don't watch the news.
1: <laughs> I'm like, what? I'm like, what?
0: <laughs> I'm like you, what? Like, what? He's like, I don't, I don't, I do not watch news. I could not tell you what is happening in the world. <laughs> I'm like, so if you got like coronavirus. You wouldn't even know what coronavirus is.
1: He doesn't drink beer.
0: No. Is that how you get the coronavirus? <laughs> no, no.
1: Oh, no. I see what you did there. Sorry. That was a bad joke. No, no, you got bad me. Bad joke. No, you got me. You got me. I'm sure it's been said many times People will laugh throughout the interwebs.
0: All right. Um, boy, this podcast, 54 minutes in, we won't be too much longer, Steve. Okay. And I know I tease, like, oh, let's go through the schedule and play that game. Let's not. Yeah. But do you have an idea on... What the future holds for twenty twenty like do you have like a number of how many wins they're going to get? Do you think they win the south? Do you think they win the championship
1: okay yeah you... you know i've I've talked about this when you look at the schedule I'm setting the baseline at my expectation at eight and four that's where I think it's kind of the sweet spot for Utah when looking at this twenty twenty schedule um I think they could finish anywhere with so when you replace so much. It's going to be difficult because there are so many variables. Um, And I look at what Washington did uh, this past season, uh, and I compare Utah to that. They're in a very similar situation. Utah now compared to Washington last year. They had to replace a quarterback. They had to replace a running back. They had to replace almost their entire defense. It's eerily similar. Um, when you look at Utah and what they're doing this year compared to what Washington did last year in terms of players moving on from the program and how they have to replace them and they finished what seven and six on the year. And so I'm setting my expectations, something similar. I I do think that the schedule, you know, works a little bit more in their favor, uh, with, with some of these games, the schedule is going to be tougher. I think Oregon state is going to be improved. Um, they're not going to be great, but I do think that they'll be they'll be better. I like what Jonathan Smith is doing. Uh, it's going to be um, that Cal game is going to be tough because uh, you're going to Wyoming, which isn't a big deal, but Wyoming's made life difficult for for other Power Five programs. And then you got to go to Cal. Uh, they return a lot. Uh, Arizona State, Colorado. That's going to be a tough back to back. Then you got USC after the Cal game i 'm um, setting my expectation eight and four I think that 's a good number i think that 's a great season for utah if you 're able to get eight wins after you know the season they had this past year I think that 's a big big accomplishment uh, for them and and should bode well for the future of the program
0: i i, I agree i it 's also worth noting just one bye week this year they had two yeah. last year um, and I guess that 's another a conversation for another time but bye weeks do they really do they really help I mean, to some extent, I'm sure they do. If if you've, you've got a pretty beat
1: up team, what'd you do on your bye weeks? Oh man! Um, speaking of Corona, <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, you get the point. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, uh,
0: yeah. I relaxed. He <laughs> kicked back a <laughs> yeah, little. <laughs> I uh, I enjoyed myself, but I don't know if bye weeks honestly help the team. Really?
1: Yeah. Well, and Tom, I- I'll tell you this: you're 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 not you know an offensive lineman right you're not a big old so
0: if you're beat up I'm sure it does oh yeah you know I'm I have no doubt yeah but if you' if you've got a pretty healthy team sure. um, does it help because you if you have this mo if you have this momentum and, you, and you're winning a few games then does a bye week really help because you kind you kind of lose that momentum you kind of forget like what and I know this is crazy because it's only like two weeks apart but you forget the game day Scheduling and and where you're meant to be at what moment, you're gonna have to think about it a, a little more because it's been two weeks and it's not every week. So anyway, it's a it's a conversation to probably have with like a psychologist or something, I guess. But I've always wondered. And the conversation, by the way, comes up every year in the NFL. You know, those first week buys. Um, does it actually benefit teams? Do you want to play? Do you want to try and get into a rhythm and and build momentum to? Anyway. It's fascinating. But, yeah, only one bye week in 2020. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I'm, I'm with you, Steve. I don't want to set the bar too high uh, because of what you lost talent-wise mm-hmm. last year uh, in 2019. And so somewhere around that 7-5, and 8-4. and four, Yeah. If you have a good year, you could probably win 10 games, right? I'm not mm-hmm. doubting that the talent on the 2020 team isn't good. <laughs> I'm just saying it's unproven. Right. Um, but sometimes ignorance is bliss. And these guys could just come out and, and completely dominate. I mean we, we don't know like if Cam Rising or Jake Bentley comes out and just completely shreds defense after defense yeah. up, we could we could Utah could be going to the Rose Bowl, yeah, which you is, never know, which is exciting, but I don't think from a fan base you want to set that expectation right because the chances are slim, yeah, whereas last year that expectation was legitimate mm-hmm. because the chances were real. And quite frankly, they probably should have been there. It was just they had one slip up against Oregon,
1: but yeah, I'm I'm with you there. And I think we're going to talk more about spring ball and what what to expect coming up because it's it's what like two weeks away. Like that's crazy. When spring does it ball start, is here, yeah? March second. Oh, March second. My word. So that's that's literally I think two weeks away. I think it is two weeks from now. Yeah, from no, from Tuesday.
0: That's really uh, that's, that's crept up on us. Yeah. So I guess before we get out of here, um, hopefully you guys have enjoyed the book. Po- I'm not going to be back until I think the week of the 8th. So it's the week following the start of Spring Bowl. Uh, I got mum and dad coming to town from Australia. I've got my first newborn. And so I am going to put football aside mm-hmm. for a split second. And I apologize to everybody who, uh, who, who needs an apology, I guess. Uh, but I'll be back in the 8th. You, Steve you were going to you were going to ride this ship uh far better than i could and uh, and carry on your merry way Yeah. So, so we'll still have a few podcasts
1: yes yeah
0: and uh, throughout the next couple of weeks and we'll talk spring bull because people want to talk about it yep and you might even have a special guest or two coming on the I th-
1: show. Uh, yeah I, I know some people i think we may be able to to bring in a special guest maybe awesome. so
0: yeah so uh any final parting thoughts from you my friend
1: man you know what Based on our conversation with the coaching staff, go out, have fun with your family. Yes, enjoy yourself, yeah. enjoy life. It's the off season, you know. Enjoy yourself. I guess I'm excited.
0: Uh, I guess I'm excited to just see Sarah, uh, to see Eric Weddle as an assistant coach on the Utah. You're gonna Utah's... part with that, Tom? Yeah, yeah. Jeez, Louise. Yep, yep. And until next time, we say so long, and <laughs> goodbye.